Welcome to the Impact Hour on Money 105.5 KSAC, where you live with passion, make a difference, and come alive. This show is about you, your life, your impact, and your legacy. Now, here's your host, Awesome John. Hey, welcome to the Impact Hour. I am Awesome John, and you too are awesome. Today, we're going to talk about community. On this show, we've talked about in the past how we can have these experiences in life that are pretty tough, pretty hard, and one of the things, uh, and and maybe one of the main things uh, to do with those really tough experiences is to use those to motivate a passion to make a difference in the world. And today, I have with me as a guest, my sister, Tara. (laughs) And Tara, you've been through some pretty tough experiences recently, and uh, I asked you quite a while ago if you wanted to be on the show. You're like, no, 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 (laughs) no. And uh, at one point, you finally decided you were ready to come on the show. And just for you, our listeners, uh, Tara had a stroke uh, in July of last year. And in some ways, you're still, Tara, you're still recovering, but, but the majority of the recovery has taken place and you've been released to go back to work and today we're going to talk about your experience and what are the benefits of having a strong community among other things so welcome to the show thank you it'll be a a new experience for me (laughs) yeah yeah so so just so you you know, for the listeners, uh, for a stroke, at least the way I understand it, is kind of the first half of the recovery goes pretty quick, like it's really visible recovery, really fast, quick improvements. And then the second half kind of kind of slows down. It's still very important kind of recovery. Um, and so you're kind of in this second phase of your recovery, the way yeah. I understand it. Yes, I believe I've just entered into the second phase of it. So, um, So I'm not recognizing or noticing such huge differences from day to day, but um, but I definitely look forward to the whole recovery process to be done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So why don't you talk a little bit about what was like life like for you before the stroke? Okay, um, well, my life before I had my stroke, um, I had a very productive life. I had a great job. Um, I was very busy. Um, I was working hard at like uh, getting promoted at work and um, I, I had a lot of stuff to do, but I felt pretty good about like where I was headed to. And I felt like I had a lot of, uh, opportunity and, and promise and such like that. But, um, I do also remember that I was very, very busy and, um, I was under a lot of stress, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to be making mistakes at work because if you made a mistake, it was a biotech company. And if you make a mistake, I mean, somebody's life potentially could be, affected by your mistake that was unintentional and such but um you know everybody makes mistakes and so when you do make a mistake you had to figure out how to resolve it as quickly as possible um so i was working hard um and i was also working late a lot of times um i was a single person doing kind of multiple roles um i was handling inventory for the company but i was also handling some calculations for payroll um, and I was also providing certain reports and things like that for management. Um, so there's a lot of different things that I was doing. Um, and I was kind of a single person in the role and I didn't have much help. Um, but recently the company started hiring people to help me out and I was working really hard to train them and good thing because they ended up being there and knowing what to do while I was suddenly ripped away and had a stroke and, was completely unavailable to help. So <laughs> it was great timing that they were brought on and that they were so smart and good people and such to be able to take all that work on. Yeah. yeah. And it's not just about your work life. It seemed like other parts of your life were kind of stressful as well, right? Uh, yes, that's true. I mean, I, uh, my marriage had gone through some really hard things and um, we'd been working through a lot of that stuff. Things were starting to, you know, to start to show some improvement and stuff. But I mean, we were still having fights, and everybody has fights in marriage and such, but, um, you know, but there was some stress on that, and then um, I also recalled on our way to our vacation that my husband and I were fighting a bit on the way, and our truck all started to have some troubles and stuff, too, so 
I think I got a little stressed out that maybe the truck would like break down on the way and you know there was some other things like that so I mean what I mostly remember before having my stroke was feeling stressed out and having a really bad headache that's mm-hmm. really all I really felt and remember <laughs> yeah so it's I think the like the doctors and whatnot they they really can't identify exactly what caused the stroke uh, but it, it seemed like one of the factors was the amount of stress you had you had stress at work and stress at home and and stress in other parts of your life and there were there were times maybe not right before your stroke but times when it was very very stressful in each of those areas not at the same time but but some of those each of those places were were like off the charts kind of stressful at least the way you described it is that right yeah um there was there was a couple situations at work that were exceedingly stressful for me um and it was quite a while ago so it wasn't like in the recent past right before all this happened um and then there was also like a major issue that my husband and i were were working on through our marriage um and i mean those were the biggest things i mean um even the church that we were attending um the pastor had just left and so everything was kind of dissolving there and we hadn't really found a new home there yet um you know so we we were kind of like mm, kind of floating in some ways like trying to find some new ways to find some stability in in some of our normal life essentially yeah yeah so the stroke happened in july and uh why don't you just describe a little bit? I know a lot of kind of what on you don't quite have full memory of, but why don't you describe a little bit about your experience, you know, of the stroke and, and kind of the hospitalization and all of that. Okay. So like I mentioned, what all I remember before actually having the stroke was just feeling really kind of stressed out and having a really bad headache. And, and I mean, it wasn't like a headache so bad that people would, I think, would call it a migraine or anything like that. But it was bad enough that I was actually starting to reach for some pain meds, um, which I usually don't do that for headaches. I usually try to write them out. Um, But instead, I was like looking for some some kind of a pain medication, you know, that people use. And um, and I I don't really hardly remember anything else. I mean, I, I think once I started having my stroke, um, I, from my understanding where I was bleeding from is where it affected my short-term memory. And so there's a lot of things I end up not remembering at all. So I don't remember getting into an ambulance. I don't remember going into the hospital at our vacation state. And I don't remember being airlifted from that state to San Francisco. I don't remember being in the main ICU after you know they'd done some procedures and things to try and help um, help with the stroke issues. Like you know, I have, for instance, I now have a shunt on my brain, <laughs> and um, you know that was a neurosurgery, and I don't remember that ever being discussed. So, um, in fact, they even had to buzz my hair, and <laughs> I don't remember having the conversations with my husband or with my friend trying to convince me, and I guess I was arguing with them, that I didn't want to have my hair buzzed off. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently I had these full conversations, and I don't remember them. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of, lot of the experience. So just, just for the listeners, uh, so Tara had, I guess it was called a, a brain bleed. A hemorrhagic stroke. Yeah, a bleed, yeah. So, what, so you know, a vessel broke and, and was bleeding, and that causes pressure in the brain, and uh, part of the the recovery process, the, the treatment was to alleviate that pressure until it stopped, uh, among other things. And, and there could be other kinds of strokes as well. That's just one kind. Mm-hmm. And uh, from what I understand is, is a bleed, uh, most folks have full recovery or very close to full recovery from a bleed, which is we're all happy about. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But yeah, still, still a major event. And uh, just for the listeners, uh, you, were, you went in in July. I think you said like July 21st, mm-hmm. uh, if you remember. I don't remember the exact date, but yeah, it was kind of mid to late July. And you were in ICU, pretty intensive care for, I think, three to four weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, went down to a different floor in the hospital for the recovery for, you know. Another three to four weeks or so. Three to four weeks or so. So it was it was a big deal. Yeah. And then what's crazy is that I really only have started having like memories that I can recollect in the last maybe week before I got released. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
and, and you say, oh, I, you know, I don't remember all that stuff. And, you know, I wasn't awake is kind of your thought about it. Yeah. But, but a lot of that time you were awake. So we'll talk more about this right after the break. Meaning, significance, satisfaction, connection. You can have it all. Learn how on the Impact Hour, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. on Money 105.5. Move through your world, touching lives and experiencing a deep sense of connection and meaning. Listen to the Impact Hour, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. on Money 105.5. Your impact matters. You matter. Did you miss a show? Check out past shows at theimpacthour.com. Has your life been a repeat of months and years gone by, constantly the same it was last week, last month, last year? Are you ready to make a change? Simply Great Lives would like you to know that even the smallest steps can lead to great discoveries. Explore a new path for yourself. Life isn't something you do, it's something you get to embrace. Your gifts are special and only you can provide them. Simply Great Lives is here to help you find that path and guide you on your journey to self-discovery. Find Awesome John at TheImpactHour.com or call 916-783-2622. Live life with more intention. Now more of the Impact Hour on KSAC with Awesome John. Hey, welcome back to the Impact Hour. Today's theme is around community. And today really is about my sister having a chance to come back out of a really tough experience and to share some of the things that she has learned in a sense, kind of, uh, you know, having something good come out of a pretty hard experience, what we here call redeeming your tough experiences. And so just before the break, we were talking a little bit about what the stroke was like for you, Tara. Why don't you share a little bit kind of your experience, uh, like your the memories, the most recent memories or that you have you know, from the stroke or earliest memories, I guess. Um, what was that like? Okay, I think some of the, the first memories I can recall, <laughs> um, I think the, the very first memory I had is a really tough one. Um, I, I kind of became aware and was looking around and all I could tell was that something major must have happened, something horrible. And I felt weird and um, the room was kind of dim and I saw all these monitors all over the place and I saw that the bed that I was in had these railings and I was like, okay, what happened? Something horrid has gone on. And I don't know where I am, and there was nobody there, and um, I felt like, okay, I'm alone, and I'm going to die. And that was the first thought that came to my mind. And um, I guess I had freaked out enough that a nurse was, um, she had gotten my phone, and she was helping me call, I guess, my dad and my husband. And, you know, then my dad apparently was calling my husband saying, you got to get over to your wife, you got to help her out. And... and I guess they were talking to me and stuff, you know, telling me to calm down. They were going to be there. It's okay. You know, things are going to get better. And but I don't even remember those conversations per se. Um, but I do remember feeling that I was alone and that I felt like I was probably dying, perhaps. Mm. And that something horrid had happened. And I just didn't know what it was. And I didn't know why. And I didn't know exactly where I was. And, um, you know, one of the people at the, one of the nurses at the hospital had even asked me, do you know where you are? And I guess at one point I'd even answered saying I was in a hotel. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think I meant to say hospital, but that's what came out of my mouth was hotel. <laughs> um, I mean, I could tell it was in a room with bed, you know, and just, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like it'd be a really, really scary kind of experience to to wake up in a strange place and not know where you're at and strange you know not just different surroundings but you know surroundings like a hospital room would be you know like holy cow what the heck is going on here and mm-hmm. yeah yeah and then there were certain sounds too that um that were consistent like for instance i guess when i would pick, go to sleep if i moved in the bed it would cause all these alarms in the bed to go off and so then that would wake me up and be like oh what's going on what's happening you know and i'd be freaked out and i and i i think that they at that stage, we're supposed to have had the alarms turned off, but they were still on a couple times. Um, and another one of the sounds I remember hearing all the time were these 
wheels, like I kept calling them like shopping cart wheels, kind of going blah, 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 down the hallways. <laughs> and I guess what they were doing is is carting the uh, blood pressure machine around. Um, so it wasn't like anything huge, but it's like you'd keep hearing these wheels being carted around. And, um, you know, though hearing the wheels would wake me up. And I'm like, oh, they're coming here again. Like, oh, man. You know, and then they'd, you'd keep going. And I'd, okay, okay. <laughs> it's okay. You know, it's fine. I can go back to sleep or I can do whatever, I guess. But... <laughs> Um, but I do remember feeling really weird and I didn't want to like be getting up and walking or anything like that. I just felt funky. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Off balanced and yeah. You know. Yeah. Well your your body, your brain had just gone through a pretty traumatic experience, so I'd imagine it would feel pretty weird and things would not be normal. Yeah. Well and I guess one of the other major things was since they had put a shunt yeah, on on my skull. Um, that means that there'd some, been some neurosurgery done. And so that means that my, um, I guess my scalp was a little loose. Mm. <laughs> and so when I would turn my head, I mean, things just didn't feel right. Like it just felt weird. Like, ugh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it took a while for all that stuff to kind of like reattach. You were joking earlier, like, like my head's not screwed on right. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering, I'm like, did my head get screwed off somehow? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so then, so you went from ICU down where they had the recovery, where they had these various therapies. I guess it's pretty common that you had, what, speech therapy and uh, occupational therapy, physical therapy, all those those therapies. Therapists. Therapists. Yeah. And uh, I guess I, I didn't realize all those different ones from before either. So I guess, you know, for you guys, our listeners, uh, the speech therapy is not just about being able to enunciate words, uh, but when they were working with Tara, it was a lot of cognitive and memory types of work as well. And so they were showing you pictures and then having you remember what you saw, seen and things like that. And uh, physical therapy was about you just getting up and getting your balance again. And and because you'd been in ICU laying down for so long, you know, on, on top of having the stroke, needing to, to get your mobility back and then occupational therapy I always thought was about going back to work but it's not it's just about being able to do things in regular life which might include work but it include being able to get up and and to cook and you know find your way around and that kind of stuff mm -hmm. and here's a funny story about the occupational therapy because um, when I when I finally understood what the occupational therapist title was and then she was helping me like fold clothes and do laundry and like put my clothes away and stuff like this. I'm like, man, I mean, is this going to be like my life now? Like, am I just going to be a janitor or a laundry person? Or because like, I thought too, like that was your occupation. And it wasn't that. It was just literally like things that occupy your time and occupy your you know, things to do. And yeah. so <laughs> she finally helped me understand that. <laughs> I was grateful because <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, normal. My normal job is I'm a data analyst. And so to me, you know, to do, go from data analysis to like a janitorial would be a huge change. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't I get to pick my occupation? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they and they have the title they work with that all day long, so they don't they don't think anything in, about it. You're like, oh, of course that's what that is, and you know, somebody new is like, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, anything else you think you should share with our audience about the stroke experience and the time at the hospital and the recovery process or any of that? Um, I think for me the biggest thing was, um, man, the, the nurses and stuff that work there at the rehab ICU and. Stuff. I mean, some of them are just really, really amazing people. And, you know, they, they can kind of tell when you're starting to get kind of stressed or, or scared or, and they just, they happen, they know how to like just show up at just the right time and just like calm your fears and just say, hey, you know, let's, and they just listen to you and stuff like that. There's some amazing, amazing nurses out there. Um, there's some not so amazing nurses too, but, <laughs> but in some ways, I mean, there's one nurse that I actually kind of complained about a couple of times. But um, I got thinking about it later and I thought, you know, actually maybe she was part of my healing because even though I didn't like what she did, um, I remember what she did. Mm. And so, hey, that's <laughs> part of my healing, you know. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So I'll take it. <laughs> right. Yep. Yep. So a lot of, lot of your recovery process, uh, 
it, it continued on after you came home mm-hmm. and we're doing a lot of, you know, brain games on the phone to help with memory. And, and then we've been doing a lot of puzzles and uh, use that to try to, you know, I think it's just been therapeutic. At, at first, the puzzles were very, very hard and mm-hmm. then they got easier over time. And in fact, I do have a funny puzzle story. Okay. It was one of the first puzzles that I was working on after getting home from being released. And um, just just as a background, I used to be really, really good at puzzles. And so here we're doing the first puzzle. We'd been told that that helps with your brain, you know, kind of re-challenging your brain stuff to function and heal. And I was just struggling. Like I couldn't make anything. Nothing really made sense. It was just a whole mess of pieces and, you know, nothing looked like it fit. And then um, I wasn't drinking anything like coffee or wine. I didn't want to like do anything to like alter my brain. <laughs> At this point, I'm just scared. Um, but then my husband walked by with some coffee. And I was like, oh, that smells so good. And so then I ended up sending a message to my doctor saying, is it okay to drink a little bit of coffee? <laughs> and the doctor had said, yeah, that's okay. You can drink a little bit. It's not a big deal. You don't have any um, dietary restrictions. And so I had my first like little bit of coffee and all of a sudden <laughs> puzzle pieces started making sense. I was like, ding, that's the answer. <laughs> caffeine. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't go crazy on the caffeine or anything, but, you know, I was like, I've allowed myself now a cup of coffee every day <laughs> at this point. And that's it's, you know, I'm just trying to be patient with myself is a bigger deal than the caffeine stuff. But uh but that really surprised me how much of a challenge it was to do something that I know I used to be really good at before. And I think it didn't necessarily have anything to do with my abilities. It just had to do with um, my brain healing and making new connections and being able to identify stuff that I was now having a hard time identifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So as you've gone through this, this whole ordeal, uh, there's been some things that you've learned from that. And uh, I think that's a good thing. It's good to go through our tough experiences and come out the other side, you know, having grown and learned from the experience. I thought maybe you'd share with our listeners some of the things that you've learned through this experience, things to avoid and things to do. Um, so for me, things to do have been just to stay connected with your people. <laughs> And your people are every kinds of people, like your family, um, your friends, your coworkers, like anybody, anybody who makes you feel kind of normal. You know, don't lose those connections and don't push people away. Um, and those are the people that, like, when they came to visit and stuff, I just, I, I know, I cried a lot and like so happy to see them and. I was just so, so relieved to see these people. And, and those connections are the connections where people um, would encourage me and tell me that I'm, you know, that I missed and that, you know, they'll be happy when I'm back and, you know, just hang in there. Like they gave me a lot of, of motivation and encouragement and positive words and things. And those are the things that I've like really been able to hold on to, to, um, you know, just take one day at a time and um, to be patient with myself and just to take the steps that I need to take in order to to get through this. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the biggest thing is the connections. Now, the stuff to avoid is um, to, to avoid stressful situations, prolonged stressful situations. Um, don't let those things affect you so much. And if it's something you can't control or change, then I w- well, you can change it eventually somehow. You can leave somehow, or you can you can do whatever you need to do to change your stressful situation, um, whether it be like meditation or whatever on how to deal with it, or or just get out of it. Um, but I think the stress had a lot to do with potentially, you know, what caused my stroke. <laughs> nice, and we'll yeah. talk more about this right after the break. Sacramento's Money 105.5 and the Money 105.5 app for your smartphone. And at iHeart, tune in and radio.com. 
Hey, bro. What's up? Wow, look at the bed of your truck. No, looks awesome, huh? What'd you do to it? It's a Rhino spray-on bed liner. It looks like a whole new truck. It's the best protection out there for my truck's bed. Rhino lining, huh? Impressive. How far did you have to drive to get it done? Only five minutes. I went to TruckSmart in Rockland. They got a store full of great stuff for my truck. TruckSmart in Rockland. Call 773-7333 or visit TruckSmart.com when all you want is everything. If you're in HR, you're probably wearing a lot of hats. Recruiter, team builder, trainer, mediator, policymaker, and of course, paper pusher. But not anymore. Bamboo HR is the number one HR software for small and medium businesses. It manages all your employee data easily and automates countless tasks so you can focus on people, not paperwork. Bamboo HR frees you from spreadsheets so you can do your real job, creating a great place to work. If the data shuffle and paperwork mountain have you ready to hang up all your hats, you're ready for Bamboo. If you handle HR records and paperwork, Bamboo HR is a dream. Let us free up your time and put your days of pushing paperwork behind you so you can focus on the people and making your company a great place to work for everyone. Try PC Magazine's top pick for HR software free today. Just go to bamboohr.com slash HR. This is a limited offer, only available to radio listeners at bamboohr.com slash HR. That's bamboohr.com slash HR. You probably worry about your money a lot. Losses, not enough income, money running out, low returns, excessive fees, and unnecessary taxes. If you'd like to learn the seven rules to live by for peak retirement security, Be one of the first five callers, and you'll receive your free, no-risk, no-obligation, Peak Retirement Navigator review. If you've saved at least $500,000 for retirement, we'll meet with you free of charge. You'll learn things like how to protect assets against large losses, create dependable lifetime income, minimize fees, reduce volatility, plus much more. So don't wait. Call pound 250 on your cell phone right now and say the keyword money for your free Peak Retirement Navigator review. Dial pound 250 and say the keyword money. And remember, at Peak Financial Freedom Group, we fix your money. Advisory services offered through Fiduciary Solutions, LLC. Jim Files, California Insurance License Number 0F06511. And Dan Ahmed, California Insurance License Number 0732913. The Model Year event is on at Meta Chevy with exclusive employee pricing, plus 0% financing, plus rebates to $750 on your choice of five new 2019 Crew Cab Silverado LT four-wheel drive. That's employee pricing, plus 0% financing, plus $750 rebate on new Silverado 4 buys. And that's a Meta Chevy exclusive. Visit MetaChevy.com for Model Year savings on over 800 new and used vehicles. Find new roads. On approved credit, 1388 per thousand five. Made a great deal at Meta. Has your life been a repeat of months and years gone by, constantly the same it was last week, last month, last year? Are you ready to make a change? Simply Great Lives would like you to know that even the smallest steps can lead to great discoveries. Explore a new path for yourself. Life isn't something you do, it's something you get to embrace. Your gifts are special and only you can provide them. Simply Great Lives is here to help you find that path and guide you on your journey to self-discovery. Find Awesome John at TheImpactHour.com or call 916-783-2622. Meaning, significance, satisfaction, connection. You can have it all. Learn how on the Impact Hour, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. on Money 105.5. Move through your world, touching lives and experiencing a deep sense of connection and meaning. Listen to the Impact Hour, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. on Money 105.5. Your impact matters. You matter. Did you miss a show? Check out past shows at theimpacthour.com. So much more interesting than other shows. Back to the Impact Hour on Money 105.5 KSAC with your host, Awesome John. Hey, welcome back to the Impact Hour. If you're just tuning in and you've missed the beginning of this show, uh, you can tune in on Fridays as well, Fridays at 2 on Money 105.5, where the show is repeated or replayed. Uh, as was mentioned earlier as well, if you want to listen to past shows, you can go to theimpacthour.com. You can play shows right there, right on the website. And there's also instructions on how to take the show with you as a podcast, wherever you want to listen to your podcasts. So today we're talking a little bit about community. And I have with me my sister Tara, who recently had a stroke. Maybe not quite so recently. It was last July. 
and it was a pretty big deal, and you're still recovering, mostly recovered, but still some to go. And we're talking just before the break about some of the things that you've learned through the experience. So you talked a little bit about connecting to people and, and having relationships and avoiding stressful situations. What else have you learned through this experience? Um, I've learned it's really important to be patient with myself. Um, you know, it's like I've always wanted to be someone who could pick things up or, and figure things out pretty quickly and stuff. But um, healing from this is a slow process. <laughs> And so when I'm struggling with something, I just need to like, just take a deep breath and just be patient. It's okay, you know, it'll get there. Um, so that's been a big deal for me. Um, but I think the other thing is, is to make sure that, um, that your spouse has access to all of, you know, everything. You know, they got the, they have your passwords, they've got your account numbers to everything that you guys share, like your bank account, your mortgage, whatever, all these different things. Um, they should have all the account numbers and the passwords or have access to, you know, know where to find that stuff. Because, um, you know, for instance, I wasn't hiding that information, but at the same token, it wasn't like necessarily a central place where my husband knew where to get a lot of this stuff. And so um, my husband really struggled <coughs> um, to get this information done. And so there's a lot of stuff that he had to like change. Um, like you had to make a lot of phone calls like to our bank and stuff and change our password and our our login ID and all those kinds of things just so he could get into them and um, uh, it was just really hard for him and it, it would have been nice I guess if that had been something that we had arranged in advance so that that way he wouldn't have had to go through those struggles. Yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah, there's some of the things that uh, that we've set up where we've had a uh, a, a program where we have all of our passwords and account numbers for bank accounts and that kind of stuff, but passwords to websites and other things as well. And, uh, and my wife knows how to get into my phone in case something happens to me and knows the password to open up that app and, and how to get all of that. And we've made double sure about that. And she has an app similar and put all that information in her app so she can look it up to get to stuff in my app. <laughs> uh, so that's just, I don't know if that's like the end all be all of how to set it up, but I certainly think that's, that's a really good idea to make sure the spouse has access to all that information. And, and keep in mind in a tough situation, like if something happens to your spouse, it's not going to be normal. It's not going to be, oh, that's right. I remember the other day we did this thing. You're going to be in a panic, and, and it's not going to be easy to remember things. So make it as easy as possible to get access and to find that information. I, I would recommend highly. I also want to talk just a little bit about being patient with self. And I know, Terry, you've been you know, through this, this stroke, and you're in this recovery process. Uh, but I've learned being patient with self is not just for people who've been through some kind of uh, medical event, but it really is for all of us. That all of us, when we want to learn and grow and try something new that we've never done before, that it's important not to beat ourselves up and to be patient and to recognize that it won't be perfect the first time we're going to make mistakes. We'll try and it won't work, so we have to be patient and try again. Mm -hmm. And that's not just for people in unusual circumstances, but that's for all of us. Yeah, I think when you're not patient with yourself, what happens is you end up stressing yourself out even more. And then, you know, stress begets stress. And, <laughs> and yeah. then, you know, in my sick case, you know, that can cause a pretty bad situation, apparently. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that one of the probably the experiences for you, maybe hard, I don't know what to, what to call it exactly, is kind of the thought that, you know, strokes happen to other people. That's not me. And not even thinking that that's something that could happen to you, I think. Um, actually, one of the, the, one of the things that I knew, so for instance, I have um, a condition called Hashimoto's. It's a, it's an autoimmune thyroid disease. And I know that one of the risk factors that Hashimoto's has is stroke. Um, but I would always hope that the percentage of the people who actually have a stroke would be low enough. And, and I honestly didn't really know enough about strokes to know what are some of the risk factors of that. Um, so, I mean, I knew I had the Hashimoto's, but I didn't know I necessarily had high blood pressure. I didn't know I had like some other situations or conditions that um, could increase my risk of having a stroke. And 
I can definitely say today that I would love to never have another stroke. Right. This is horribly, it's been definitely one of the, the most terrifying experiences I've ever had. And um, been through some pretty terrifying experiences. Like, you know, my brother and I, we've uh, lived through the Loma Prieta earthquake and, and have lost the house. And, you know, we had to live through all that kind of stuff in Santa Cruz. And, um, you know, that's, that's huge and that's horrible. But to me, this, this tops it. <laughs> mm. It's really, really tough for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know for me, a lot of times, you know, I've thought about, you know, bad things happening to other people that, you know, kind of minimizing my own circumstance. You know, if I'm stressed out, oh, I'm just a little stressed and, you know, it's no big deal. And, you know, it, it can become a big deal. And I probably don't pay enough attention to that kind of thing as, as I could otherwise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, and dealing with stress, there's lots of ways like you were uh, alluding to before that it is, there are a lot of ways to deal with stress. Uh, of course, you can always, you know, leave the situation, you mm -hmm. know, and, and change if it feels like that's not a situation you can do anything about. Um, but there are also other ways of managing stress mm -hmm. and, and each person might be different. Uh, but there are ways of, you know, mindfulness practices and, and other ways to to mitigate the stress and to alleviate that. And and I just recommend for all of you out there to, to find out what does cause you stress and what and find out what you can do about it that works specifically for you mm -hmm. and, and to try to employ those those mechanisms to reduce the amount of stress that you have. Yeah. And, I, and we're not at our best self under stress either. So we're not our most creative, resourceful person when we're under stress. So I think it's, it's a good thing all around. So as you've been through this experience, Terry, I'm, I'm sure you've grown as a person. What are some of the ways that you've grown and changed as a person because of this experience? Um, there's a lot of things I think I was probably taking for granted. <laughs> Um, before this happened and um, man it's like some of the most mundane things uh, I I will probably never take for granted again you know for example um, a lot of people think oh I gotta go to work but I can't tell you how much I miss work right now <laughs> <laughs> I I really really miss the people I've worked with and I really miss um, just having stuff to do every day um, you know I don't <laughs> I hope that when I am able to go back that I don't complain at all. Like I just, I will be appreciative of having that thing. Cause it is, I have found it is really, really hard to just be home. <laughs> um, and I wouldn't wish this on anybody actually, but um, I've really, really struggled with that. Um, so for me, I think, you know, it's like appreciating the things that I was taking for granted. Um, but also realizing just how fragile life can be. Um, you got to really seize those. Seize the day. Seize the day. Seize the moment. Seize the people. Seize the, you know, there's just so much to seize. And not don't, don't take them for granted. And it's back to the whole thing about things you take for granted. Um, but life really is fragile. And, um, you know, things that you think are not that special or something, they could be ripped away. And, you know, how much are you going to miss that thing if it is taken away? Um, you have to make sure too that to keep the things that you find to be important to keep them as important. Don't don't belittle them or weaken their value. Um, make sure you keep those at the steam that they need to be to you know set to, so that way you give them the attention and time that you need them to um, to have. And um, and just be more understanding and patient with yourself and others, essentially, because nobody's perfect. And, um, you know, you're not perfect. Nobody else is perfect. You know, just try to be more understanding so that, that way you can um, build relationships with people and see the value that they provide, even if they are a difficult person or, you know, some of those people will be the people that will shock the heck out of you and suddenly step up to this plate that you didn't anticipate at all. But if you give them the respect and the time and the patience and understanding that they need, um, they just might stun you. Nice. You know? Nice. 
Yeah, I know I've had experiences where there were people I wasn't really didn't really think they liked me all that much, and then something happened, and then they were they were there and supportive and helpful. I'm like, whoa. So yeah. sometimes you don't always know. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So we'll talk more right after this break. Meaning, significance, satisfaction, connection. You can have it all. Learn how on the Impact Hour, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. on Money 105.5. Move through your world, touching lives and experiencing a deep sense of connection and meaning. Listen to the Impact Hour, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. on Money 105.5. Your impact matters. You matter. Did you miss a show? Check out past shows at theimpacthour.com. Has your life been a repeat of months and years gone by, constantly the same it was last week, last month, last year? Are you ready to make a change? Simply Great Lives would like you to know that even the smallest steps can lead to great discoveries. Explore a new path for yourself. Life isn't something you do, it's something you get to embrace. Your gifts are special and only you can provide them. Simply Great Lives is here to help you find that path and guide you on your journey to self-discovery. Find Awesome John at TheImpactHour.com or call 916-783-2622. Money 105.5 KSAC. Now let's dig under the surface and get to how life really works. Hey, welcome back to the Impact Hour. I am Awesome John, and you are too awesome. Today we're talking about connecting to community, and I have with me today my sister, Tara, who's had a stroke and is largely recovered from that, but still has a ways to go. And I wanted to really connect on the community theme. We've been talking a little bit about your experience, Tara, and what that's been like and some of the things you've learned. But uh, I really wanted to dive deeper into this idea of cultivating and building up your community and how important that is. Why don't you share just a little bit about that? So I think when I when I was finally released from the hospital, um, the, the thing I could hardly wait for is to see my old friends and my coworkers and my family and the things that made me feel connected with life and what was going on and stuff and, and just to, to get their support and stuff. And um, there was just, there was just so many emotions that came up when I finally got to see some of my coworkers and there was just lots of tears and stuff, you know, just tears of just happiness to see them again and um, to be, you know, glad that, um, I was finally out of the hospital, and things are finally like on the mend and getting better and stuff. Um, but in addition, sometimes it's not only even just the the people that you've already got connections with. Sometimes it's the chance meeting you have with people who are willing to be open and and to share something, and then they end up like saying some mild mannered, encouraging word, like there's a light at the end of the tunnel or something. And it's like, it just gives you hope, you know? So it's like, that's also part of your community as well. And so I think it has a lot to do with like how you treat others in general, like, you know, give respect to people and treat, treat people, um, with humanity and, you know, know that other people have hard things that go on in life too. So even if they're being a jerk to you, don't assume that they're always a jerk. You know, they, (laughs) they might be just having a bad day or something, you know, but but for me, um, my friends and my family, my coworkers, they've just been huge um, for me as far as like m- part of my, my recovery. And I, I miss them so much. <laughs> um, I obviously don't miss my family because I get to see my family a lot. They've been, you know, I've been able to spend a lot of time with my family because I have been on disability for a while now. Um, but my coworkers, man, I have not seen them in a long time. And so every time I, I have a chance luncheon or something with somebody, it's just, there's always tears and stuff. I just miss them a lot. And it's just crazy. That's you know. nice. <laughs> yeah. So for, for you guys, our listeners, community is something that doesn't just happen. And it's kind of like digging the well before you need water. Mm-hmm. And it's about cultivating that community and that circle of friends and support before you have an event. And of course, you're not doing it just 
So you have support during an event, but that's certainly a big part of it is to have some people who are there for you when, when things happen mm -hmm. and, and being there for them and having this supportive community, this group of people that you do life together with. And I really like what you said, Tara, about, you know, having grace for people and, you know, realizing and connecting to their humanity and all of that, because it's so easy to focus on the negative quirks that people have and go, oh, that person's just so this way or they're so that way. And oh, I don't know about this person or I don't know about that person. But when you do that, I think you kind of shut down possibility for a greater community. Yeah. In fact, I mean, uh, uh, without saying names or anything, so I'll make sure I keep the right in anonymity here. But there were certain people that I actually struggled with um, on a somewhat regular basis. I, I called them my challenging people. But I also worked really hard to make sure that I treated them with respect and did my best to help them out. And they happened to be at work, essentially, for me. But, um, but then when, this, when I had my stroke, um, we ended up opening, or actually my friend ended up opening a GoFundMe account to help with the, uh, the medical expenses. And surprisingly, two of these people that I called kind of like my challenging people, <laughs> they ended up being really big donators and it was so needed at the time but it just it really shocked the socks off of my feet I was just really stunned and I was very 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 grateful um and I kind of I start to see them now like under a different light essentially and so one of the things I'm looking forward to when I get back to work is to to be able to have a conversation with them and to thank them and um you know just to see if I hadn't if I hadn't been um, as respectful as I was or if I hadn't had a, a better attitude when I was working with them before, those that kind of result wouldn't have happened. Hmm. And it was really needed. Nice. <laughs> it was, you know, unexpected and really needed. It was just really great. Yeah. Just to highlight this a little bit more, I've heard, and maybe it's not like 100%, but I've heard one of the biggest differences between homeless people and not homeless people is the not homeless people have that community. They have family, they have friends, they have people. So when something happens like they have a medical event or they lose their job, that these people step up and say, well, you know, I've got a, a couch you can sleep on. You know, here's, here's some food. Here's, you know, how I'm gonna well, support you and get you through this tough time, this tough experience. And, and family and friends will do that. But people are homeless the bigger difference there is they don't have that. So if you think about for yourself, you know, if you have a home now, and if you think about maybe you lost your job and couldn't get work for six to 12 months, and you didn't have an emergency fund, you couldn't like support yourself in that, what would you do? And I think a lot of us would go and think about, okay, well, I could stay with this family or that family. And that's kind of our safety net is our community. Mm -hmm. But if we don't have that, then what, you know, then, then maybe we're living under a bridge for a while. Mm -hmm. And so it's really important to have that, that support in that community. Well, and then it may not even be financial. I mean, sometimes it could be just the friends that come over to let you cry on their shoulder and such the emotional, right. but that way you don't like just take the big emotional dive off the deep end. Right. You yeah. know, <laughs> so, yeah, good point, <laughs> you know, cause it, I think your outlook on life has a lot to do with how well you heal as well. So um, it's not only financial, it's emotional, it's, it's everything. You it's know. all of it. And I mean, in my case, yeah, since I, I believe in God, um, you know, it means I've also got an army of people who, who are praying for me. And um, in fact, there's one really cool thing I had learned was that um, one of my friends had shared with his in-laws what had happened to me. And I guess they shared this with their priest at their church who in turn um, decided to have my name written down on a paper and walked to the Holy Land. <laughs> and so I'm like, wow, you know, my name now is somewhere on the Holy Land somewhere. It's just amazing to me. Wow. And I just feel really blessed by that. It's just, you know, totally unexpected. But I mean, to know that I've got a, an army of people out there who are willing to pray for me and, um, you know, and I know God is there and he's, you know, it's like of all the things that I have, had to question or doubt. I mean, God is not one of them. And I know for sure that he is here in my life. Yeah, that's And great. he is watching out for me, so. Yeah, I know a lot of people will have something happen and then think, well, that means God doesn't love me or, 
he's against me or maybe even he doesn't exist. Uh, but, you know, we have the attitude that, that God doesn't cause that stuff and he's not angry at us and he is someone that we can go to in tough experiences and he's there to support and to be there. And I know not everyone, you know, believes in that sort of thing, but, but certainly I think God is, is big and not just big in power and all of that, but he's big emotionally as well. Mm-hmm. And if we do have a, a really tough experience, we can, we can, if we're mad at God, if we're angry, if we are just really ticked off at God, we can go out and yell at God and go, hey, it's not fair, and he's big enough, and he can take it, and he understands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so I guess to, to feed into that, I think after the earthquake when our house fell, um, I did yell at God. I, like, I screamed and yelled at him and stuff. So, I mean, I think that, you know, if, if, if I wasn't struck by lightning at that point in time, <laughs> I think he can take it. So yeah. it's okay. And, and I know that he's still with me. And there's other, uh, other experiences I've had where I know he's there and he's looking out for me. So nice. I'm so thankful for that. And I'm thankful for God. I'm thankful for all the people he's put in my life. Yeah. And, you know, oh, and by the way, um, one of the other things I said never to, to, you know, or something to learn in all this life is never turn down a hug. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so people are going to offer a hug to give you a, just take, I mean, hugs are just so amazing. Just nice. never turn down a hug. <laughs> Very cool. yeah. So we're coming to the end here. Is there any last minute thing you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, I think the thing is like, no matter what happens in life, it's, it's not permanent. Um, you know, I'm still kind of in the middle of this and I'm still not yet back to work, but I mean, I should be there soon, but I've got one more really tough event I have to kind of get through. It's a, another procedure that the neurologist wants me to complete and, and I'm going ahead to do that. Um, but in the end, these tough events are not forever and you know, you'll get through this. There's a light at the end of the tunnel always. And just rely on people and don't turn on a hug. (laughs) Nice. You've been listening to the Impact Hour. Thanks for listening.